All right, Father Jonathan, welcome back. Hey, hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Did you get a chance to preach on that second Sunday in Ordinary Time? I did. Oh, yeah? I did. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, <laughs> I tried to... I tried to go off of what we were talking about last week with testify, John testifying and testifying again. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and kind of pairing that with um, what Isaiah was saying about it not being good enough just to be a servant. Oh, I like that. But you must become the light. Mm-hmm, so we've, mm-hmm. we've got to take what we know. We've got to take what we, what we hear, what we receive, and go t- to the next level, to the next step. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. And that's kind of our, the, what I, what I've kind of been, preaching on fairly regularly that's kind of the point of ordinary time i think that it's that it's that time it's not just the time between rather it's time to take those graces of easter and christmas and put them into practice yeah yeah i like that i i was struck like for example last week's uh the second sunday but also this upcoming week the third sunday i've just been kind of impressed how ordinary time is a lot about mission it's just a lot about being mission it's almost like okay can we not like it'd be nice if we just renamed it as like you know disciple time or something you know like where <laughs> this is clear that Jesus is constantly telling us that like you said like the mysteries that we've lived during Christmas and Advent have now become or in the summertime with ordinary time after Pentecost it's like the mysteries we've just received now have to be proclaimed um, right yeah what are you gonna do right right um no I really like that I didn't get a chance to preach uh, this past week but I was thinking a lot about uh, what we talked about in terms, because I talked to a friend who listens to the show and she mentioned how she was really struck by our emphasis on being sent as apostles. And I really kind of focused on that as I was getting ready for mass myself, just personally, just thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, it is about being sent and being apostles and not just about, you know, resting back, uh, you know, in the holiday season with all the mysteries. And I was thinking about that again this week, that it's still kind of the same theme. I, I at least picked up with the readings for this upcoming Sunday. Um, yeah, the the sense of being called, you know, to be apostles. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, this was the first reading um, on Monday after the baptism, so the first Monday of ordinary time mm-hmm. was the call of Peter and Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, James and James and John. Yeah, yeah. So it's I'm glad that it's coming back because it's such a powerful story. Absolutely, um, yeah. And it kind of helps you cheat a little bit because it's got the first reading in that first part. It does. It does. You know, I, I will say, like, I was really surprised that they gave you an option to cut out the. First, oh yeah. To cut out the the call, they give you the option yeah. of cutting out the call of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I can't stand that. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. Like, I generally think that cutting is a mistake, but why would you cut that part? Like something the, like that, exactly. Yeah, the very concrete manifestation of the preaching. So, like, like what we're left with in the gospel is. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, which is great. Which is important. Yeah, for sure. But I think the hinge, like the hinge, which probably you've picked up on too, is what comes immediately following that is that Jesus began to preach. And then he said, come after me and follow Mm -hmm. me because I will make you fishers of men. So it's like Jesus's preaching is not in isolation from the mission of the disciples. Yeah. You know, that like, for example, you and I as as non-first century Jews, the only reason we heard Jesus preach was because of the apostles, you know? <laughs> yeah. So without without the apostles, there is no preaching of Jesus that we could receive, you know, over over the centuries. Anyway, I just think it's kind of strange to cut that piece, cut that piece mm-hmm. out. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, you're right. It, it shows, um, I really like what you just said about, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he goes on to preach and these men hear him and, and follow him. And right then away, at the very end, right away. Right away, yeah, immediately. And then it ends with him continuing on that mission. He went around all of Galilee teaching and preaching and curing and, you know, etc. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I'm always, when I read this, I'm always shocked at, um, at the response of, uh, of Simon and Andrew. Well, all of them really. Like they just literally pick up and leave. Yeah. yeah. Like that's so <clears throat> crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine, I, unfortunately, I can't imagine doing that. Just, just like seeing and somebody leaving. and walking away. Yeah. Right. Right. Like that is such a foreign concept to me. Mm-hmm. And yet that's exactly what Jesus is calling, calling right. us to do. Right. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's something to be said about like, like, cause you're right. I mean, what Peter, well, so James and John leave their father in the boat, right? Their father, yeah. <laughs> they left their boat and their father just left them there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is something to be said as far as like, is there a certain level of hyperbole in the, in the storytelling here? Like, Sure. You know, and maybe or maybe not. Like maybe it is yeah, the case exactly. that, you know, St. Francis, for example, in the public square takes off all of his clothes, leaves it there and follows Christ. Like there's yeah. there's a moment that people experience God's call and everything has to change in that moment. Right. Instantaneously, right. you know. Um, you know, I think all I mean, you and I, I think we both have had experiences where we felt poignantly that God was telling us to do something. And we said, like, OK, well, I have to go now. Um, sure. With our vocations. And so with here, we get a very concrete expression of that where it's like physical objects, leave them behind and follow after me, um, which yeah. is striking for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have the gumption to do it myself. Like if I if I were in a boat with my dad and if that was my <laughs> livelihood, would I be able to do it? You know? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, you can you can apply that to various things. It doesn't have to be so like literally getting up and walking away. Um, I think, it, and again, I think it can fit into what St. Paul is talking about in First Corinthians. Like, who is it that we belong to? Mm, I love this. Is it Paul? Is it Apollos? Is it Cephas? Is it Christ? I love it. I love is it. Is Christ divided? Well, what's in our heart is exactly what we were talking about last week. You know, if we're not proclaiming Christ crucified and Christ the Son of the living God, then what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Um, so Absolutely. similarly here, you know, if if Christ calls and we don't respond with our entire selves, with our entire beings, then what are we doing? Totally. So I think there is a, totally a way to bring this into the spiritual sense um, as a way of focusing our, our lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, towards the cross. Oh, totally. totally. Um, you know, just as an example of the preaching, right? So Paul is kind of a great example here in Corinth of one of the apostles that preaches like Christ and it preaches nothing but Christ, you know, and I just, I love this passage from Corinthians just because it always is like fresh water on my face of just this reminder <laughs> of how prone we are, not only in the first f- couple of centuries of the church, but also now of being divided. Like, you know, oh, how yeah. many of us are like this, this could be completely actualized. So today, you know, he says, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos. It's like, well, I belong to Pope Francis or I belong to Pope Benedict or, you know, I belong to the Jesuits. I belong to the Jesuits or I belong to the Dominicans or I belong to this parish or I belong to that parish. And it's like, well, not even going outside of the boundaries of the Catholic Church, we already find tons of divisions, not to mention outside of the Catholic Church, you see the tons of divisions. And so like, 
I can see myself hearing Paul and understanding right away that our circumstance is no different than that of Corinth, that Christ is not divided. So why must we divide Christ? Um, I mean, for me, there's a whole homily just in the second reading right there. Mm -hmm. like Absolutely. Because it's so poignant for our times. It's like, you know, as a preacher, I can take inspiration from the gospel and say, look, Jesus preached. He calls men to preach. I'm here to preach. I'm going to be like Paul and I'm going to preach unity and not division. And that's that's beautiful. Like, that's a beautiful message, I think, for the people of God to hear today. Because um, we're so prone to it. Like this whole in the news cycle recently with all this, the book, you know, the Pope Francis, yeah. the Pope Benedict book and like so much division, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It gives people a reason to not to, I don't want to say to hate, um, but like, I think people like to be worked up about things. Mm. Um, and that's part of the scandal of the cross. That's part of why following the way is so difficult mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's the one body, the one body of Christ. Right. Right. Dude, I love this line uh, at the end of uh, the letter to the Corinthians, this passage. I came to preach the gospel, but not with the wisdom of human eloquence. And mm -hmm. it's just beautiful because, for one, he does have beautiful human eloquence. He's he's a great rhetorician. Um, but there's something of a lesson there for me as a preacher. It's like, stop trying to sound good. Like, yeah. like yeah. that. that's good. Like, practice your rhetoric. Be good with words. You know, be good with the talking, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, I have That's met, impossible. <laughs> yeah, I have seen many preachers say many words and communicate yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, I think, the, the, the verb there in the last line, so the cross of Christ may not be emptied, emptied of its mm -hmm. meaning. Like, how many empty homilies have you heard? How many mm. empty preachings have you heard where it's just words? Like niceties. And, yeah, and it's just words upon words upon words. You know, maybe even as I'm speaking, I'm saying nothing. I don't know. But like <laughs> I like how do we not empty the cross of its meaning? How do our homilies, yeah. our sermons, you know, communicate the what's the opposite opposite of emptiness, but the fullness, right? The fullness yeah. of the meaning of the gospel. Well, and this is gets to a, I think a touchy a touchy point. Like maybe even somewhat um well anyway, what I'm thinking of is think about what Paul is saying. What are, what are we, what are the people saying? I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. Um, what are we supposed to be doing? Preaching Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. And think about all of the homilies that you've heard where his name may not even be mentioned. Mm. Yeah. Think about all of the, all of the homilies that you've heard that could have been an article in the newspaper. Sure. Where it's sure. just about current events. And right. like, okay, we need to be aware of current events and we need to be all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, man, I tell you what, this is something that really, <laughs> this really grinds my gears when sure, sure. we, um, when we feel like we need to bring in current events mm -hmm. to stay relevant. Right. It's like, if the gospel is not relevant to our lives and if the gospel isn't biting enough to any ideology, then we may have a misunderstanding of what the gospel is actually saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it's a difficult line to walk because absolutely you know, there's, yeah, and maybe this is kind of getting off track, but like the gospel can kind of fall on deaf ears to those of us who've heard the gospel 
over and absolutely over and over. yeah yeah yeah, you know? yeah for and sure it can, it can just sound like a resounding gong you know yeah um and that and is I, part of the job of the homily is to help to give it um to help people look at it in, in with fresh eyes or whatever maybe i'm, I'm gonna push you on that so i think there and therein lies perhaps the temptation of human eloquence um, uh-huh. to add a varnish to the gospel because we want it to be appealing and, and, and to be effective in people's hearing. Good. Yeah. But I think, so later in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul will say that without love, I am but a resounding gong. See, what, uh-huh. what, what matters is love in terms of a, of a lived experience of God. So how, how many times have I heard the same gospel passage preached with no effect, but then I've heard it in a moment where I'm in actual, sort of like in a good space with God where I feel his love and presence in my life, like if I'm on a retreat or something, where that same passage can really touch my heart. So like, what kind of work are you doing as, you know, a pastor to to cultivate religious experience in your faithful so that when they hear the message of the gospel, it doesn't fall flat because mm. it's not being communicated yeah. as words Ooh. of love, you know? Yeah, Ooh, I like that. That's good. And that that puts a challenge, not just on the pastor, but also on the people in the pews, you know, this is, this is not just a passive experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're just, you're not just there to receive, um, receive the feels, receive the good feelings from, from the eloquence, homily. the eloquence of human wisdom. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's like, about, and it's even about more than just that Sunday experience. Right. How that ordinary time grace that we've been talking about, how is that lived out in your daily life? Right. Cause I got to tell you, when I'm in, when I'm in a good place with God, cause it's not always the case. Like I, I am bored or I am lazy or I'm sad oh, yeah. or I'm angry with God. But when I'm in a good place, like we're, and when our relationship is going right, going well, man, any word from the gospel is, is like dewfall. You know, it's like this beautiful light and also challenging, you know, sword that can cut to the heart. Uh, it doesn't matter which which part. And I think the problem with yeah. preaching is that sometimes we forget that a lot of the faithful or maybe even ourselves have grown cold in our experience of God. And so the words of the gospel, we try to package them in fine human eloquence. And then what ends up happening is, is that people make disciples of themselves. They make yeah. disciples for themselves. So like, why did people follow Paul and not Jesus? Why did they follow Apollos and not Jesus? Why did they follow Cephas and not Jesus? Well, because they thought that they would be saved by these men because these men gave them enough of a good feeling or I don't know what it was. You know, they became celebrities to them, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a big part of it. Probably. I mean, look I think at the there's a temptation personality. Yeah. There's a temptation for today. us to become celebrities to the people we preach to in the sense of like, are we preaching Jesus or are we preaching ourselves? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a key question. Well, <clears throat> and you know, what's standing out to me now is this reading from Isaiah. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. For there is no gloom where, where but now there was distress. Like, how do we make that transition from going just from darkness to stress, um, where it is just about this guy and that guy and whoever shouting the loudest? But how do we find that great light, that light of Christ? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably not going to find it in a preacher. The preacher could point the way, you know, but John the Baptist right, was a yeah. great preacher and mm. the and he he said I am not the Christ. Like I came to point to the Christ. Right, um, right. 
you know, and John the Baptist is still in the Gospels, right? We've had him for a couple of weeks now, but he's at the very beginning. John had been arrested. So notice that the preacher goes away. <laughs> so the preacher yeah. has now been put away because the message is now before you. So like, I think that's actually one of the beautiful reasons that the homily happens before the Eucharist, you know, mm -hmm. at Mass, is that the culmination point is still to come. And so the homily right. is a point of that moment of communion that will We're come. still pointing towards, yeah. You know? It's like that great uh, line from Enter the Dragon <laughs> with Bruce Lee, mm. where he says, uh, you can see the finger pointing to the moon and miss the entire heavenly glory. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Anyway, so I think, I think there's something to be said there about what it means to preach, you know, and that I, I am called to be like the Baptist pointing to Jesus, but then I need to fade away and not become an ideologue or not become a celebrity to where people yeah. start to feel like Christ himself is divided between preachers, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, there's a lot going on here. I, I think there's, there's something to be said about the content of what to preach on this Sunday, but also there's just a lot in the readings that give me pause in terms of my own thinking of how I preach. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's all the stuff that goes into prayer um, and the development of the homily. It's, it's really fascinating. When I was taking my homiletics course, um, the professor was very clear that all of this stuff needs to go into your preparation, all the stuff we've been talking about, but that's not necessarily what you need to be saying in yeah. your in your um, homily as a preacher, mm. you don't need to go into process and why you're doing this and this, that, and the other. You're there to break open the word. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I actually don't even know what that phrase means though, to break open the word. Like, yeah, it's well, again, I mean, again, we see so many different ways of, of doing that from all the different preachers. Sure. Um, so I've, I've been, uh, I mentioned this to you before, but I, I've been, I've been reading this book by Pope Benedict on preaching. And one of the things that he says, and maybe you and I can talk about this at a, in another episode, um, more in depth. But one of the things that he says is that the New Testament preaching, as opposed to the Old Testament preaching, New Testament preaching is the preaching of Jesus, who is the witness of the resurrection. Cause he's the one who resurrected and he's the one that preaches Thanksgiving for being risen from the dead. And then we just follow suit. Like uh -huh. we follow suit by giving witness to what he himself has experienced. Um, and so it's for us to preach. I think today's gospel gives us a good indication is that they came after Jesus who already was preaching. So it's like from that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, and then later mm -hmm. he said, come after me. Yeah. And I will make you fishers of men. Now, literally that means follow me, but come after me temporally means you're going to come subsequent to me. So I'm preaching the gospel. You preach me, you know, mm, and yeah. preach the gospel that I have already preached. Like, and that just goes back to the, what you're like, the whole idea of the preacher, the Christian preacher not identified with Jesus is, is not a Christian preacher, you know? Mm, yeah. I like that. I like that. If you're not preaching Christ, it's kind of what you said about, you know, the, the newspaper. If you're not preaching Christ, then get off the stage. Like, what, what are you, yeah. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Um, really quick, I just wanted to throw this at you. I, uh, I was thinking, preparing for this week's homily, I, I feel like I need to do a little research into the geography of the Holy Land. I don't know anything uh -huh. about Zebulun and Naphtali. Like, it's mm. in both the first reading and in the gospel, and I don't really know anything about any of this. Yeah, those are old, old lands before the, yeah, I'd have to go back and look at some maps, but. 
Well, just because like in the first reading, you know, uh, first the Lord degraded the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the end, he was glorified and, and glorified the seaward road, the land west of the Jordan, the district of the Gentiles. Like I have no visual concept of what's going on there, you know, and then it's brought back in the gospel. And some I'm assuming there could be some fruit there to be garnered for a homily in terms of understanding yeah. what these lands were, you know. Well, yeah, and I wonder if it's one of these the ends of the earth type of a mm, references. Saying. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cool, man. Any uh, parting thoughts? Um, no. Go pray. Cool, dude. All right, man. Till next time. Alrighty. Preach. <laughs> I mean, <good>. peace. <laughs> <laughs>